I'm Fred Van Lente. I'm Ryan Dunleavy. Of Action Presidents. Real facts, fake jokes. And you are listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. <laughs> Stealth attack. They never saw it coming. It's like Pearl Harbor. <laughs> which, uh, you know, depending on which source you read, we didn't see it coming, but we did. So yes, I, I don't know. Who do you believe these days, Dap? I don't know. That is true. You know, I... Oh, I should save that for later. I'll save it for later, then. Yeah, I am. I am. It's, um... Yes, I will. You got to. I'm already, I'm already looking forward to something. I already have something for, um... For Wednesday, uh... Providing I get everything done I need to get done. So that... Because we don't have, um... That... Because we're recording tonight. Yes. And... Special super week. secret they never saw it coming. Recording oh. tonight. Yes. And, and, um... So, so that this is not a night I can read, and then we're losing a night because we are recording a day early. Yes, because of a holiday. So I have to make sure I um, I'll be reading during my lunch break tomorrow. I'll be reading. Yeah, I'll be I'll be reading. I'll be cramming in a whole bunch of reading. Yeah, it is a weird situation. What with the holiday and all, and I was going to be extremely foolhardy. Because one of our listeners, Andrew Maxwell, who posted on the Facebook 11 O'Clock Comics page that uh, he wants to start reading Chris Ware. And where do you start with Ware? And he said, how about Rusty Brown? And I'm like, holy crap. I forgot that I have Rusty Brown on my stack. And I'm thinking, hmm. That would be a good idea to read that for this week. And then you just reminded me that we're a day short and a dollar late this week. So would it be stupid of me to attempt to read Rusty Brown for next episode? You've seen it, right? It's a doorstop. Yeah. It's a massive book. So maybe not. Maybe that would just be biting off a little bit more than these Sicilian jaws could chew. But I thank Andrew Maxwell for reminding me that I do have it. I just haven't gotten around to reading it yet. There are a um Yeah, I'm I'm and that's partly why I want to read as much as I can over the next couple of days is I, I do have a lot of I, I, I put in I finally um put in my order for DCBS and the LCS this afternoon. So, so they're both out there. Um, and as I'm going through it and I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, there's, there are, there are collections. There are books that I'm ordering this month that I, st I I'm realizing I hadn't, I have not yet read the earlier. Right collections that of of like of, of of i mean and i've read i read aaron's thor before but i've been reading it from the beginning and there i mean i have i have i have a smattering of issues i have most of it digitally i have the early stuff it's, it's the later stuff post um after I, I i was there at the beginning when 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 jane became thor and then 
I, I didn't I didn't finish that arc, so I've been. It's probably not until like maybe the third volume, or maybe the fourth, that I won't actually have new to me issues, uh, stories to read. But you know, so so that that I've read. So just because I haven't cracked open Aaron's collection, that's fine. But in the third volume of 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 Toby is in this month's previews that's just about over and and i still have some of the first and most of the second collection to read and and there's the miles morales small form factor collection and i still have the first one through so I, it's just it's it's weird there is i mean yeah we're I'm, I'm talking about um the regime of course and and why did see he he's perverted Eleven. He has, he has transformed yes. retcon, as it were. Eleven o'clock comics. It was never Regine. I don't know no, where that Regina. came. From. It's Regina. Yeah. And he has because he is Jason. He has taken it and because whenever I whenever I'm about to say it, I always picture the way he spells it and and right. and, and, and draws it all out. But yeah, he says so. Regine. He says Regine. Yeah. Neither of which is the right pronunciation. It's Regina. So. It's not that so. hard because it rhymes with vagina. Times was fun, so so yes, yeah, so I, I am I am talking about the Regina and and Tony posted his today on on the Facebook group and and of course Jason shared on the patrons that um, the the library he's bringing with him down to Florida. It's crazy with him down to Florida. He's taking and, twenty and pounds I of just, books to Florida, but it's it's <laughs> not like he's going to a convention and has to worry about doubling true. that on the way back. But right, yeah, I mean, so it's just I I, I have new the stuff books, coming. The books get lighter after you read them. I've heard that they do. <laughs> it's just like it's just like he could probably have a car because he's on vacation. It doesn't count. Yes. Um. But yeah, I have a lot of stuff to read that I currently have, and and I'm and we always talk about we're buying more stuff, and and there's still tons to read. But yes, I I, I need to. I think what I'd like to do next year is take something off my shelf or off the Regina and and read it. I, I may not be for the next episode, but I want to read something every... Yeah, I'd like to say for every week, for every episode. Well, that's been what I've been doing because the, the current stuff is not exactly floating my boat, as you will see tonight. It's funny you should say that because right. I have something. I have something old, something new, something borrowed, and definitely something blue to read it's not borrowed it's mine so just pretend i didn't say that part but um it, it's it's not current one one thing i have for tonight is current the other thing i have for tonight is not current but we have to tell the people what they're listening to as if they didn't already know you my fine folks and females and and male type folks are listening to 11 o'clock comics episode 639 Whack-a-mole. We popped up out of nowhere. You didn't expect a Sunday episode, did you? Uh Uh-uh. And you know who I am? I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. And I am David A. Price. Yay. As in, Jason is not here this time because he is not in the state. He's not in Jersey. He's he's somewhere else on holiday with uh, family for the uh thanksgiving festivities so uh he won't be here this episode he won't be here next episode but that's okay we'll cover for him and maybe next episode we'll have somebody else to cover for him but i'm glad you mentioned tony how about freaking tony fleece comes out of nowhere right 
I mean, Tony's always been our friend and fairly tight with us, but he has invested himself in the community over the past like three, four days, like never before. And see, that's a good thing, right? When you get an, when you get an artist of Tony's caliber who is willingly putting himself out there, saying, "Yo, dudes, I've been away. I'm sorry. Here I am. This is what I'm reading. This is what I'm doing. Wu Tang forever, good sir. Whatever that thing was." <laughs> Um, Thank you. Yes. yes, may Wu Tang be with you too. Um, so it's it's all good, and I'm just I'm just very very happy that Tony has has become more active with us because if I I don't I don't love many people. I like a whole bunch of people, but I don't love a whole lot of people. But Tony is definitely one of those dudes that I love. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And how about the the people on the. 11 o'clock comics uh, Facebook page. Oh, fourth chair. He was, <laughs> they, they always run to that. They want to fill <clears throat> that fourth chair so quickly. Oh, shit. But, you know, we'll think about it. Maybe if we get a little low on funds. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, speaking of funds, this episode has been brought to you by our Butimus patrons. Yes. Our patrons are there for us. They support us. They 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 uh contribute to the online community um and if you would like to do this that too you could just go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics and big doings because our patrons voted on 10 t-shirt designs for the uh comics should be ridiculous theme and uh, we, we, we called those 10 designs and we made T-shirts out of them. And you can get T-shirts and a whole lot more. Coffee cups, skateboards, phone cases, throw pillows. Like that's my favorite thing ever is the throw pillows. Um, messenger bags, like everything. I, if there's a thing that Threadless can put the design on, they will. So if you go to Threadless.com, no, it's not Threadless.com. It's 11 o'clock comics dot threadless.com you can see all this stuff that you can get the brand spank and new comics should be ridiculous designs we've got steve ditko joe kubert um there, there's tons as in 10 there's 10 new designs that you can put on a plethora of things at uh and many many colors so check it out 11 o'clock comics dot threadless.com nice it's a big deal they they look so cool do you know how long it took me to put those up I'm I'm not going to overestimate my involvement in this. Yes, the designs were finished for months, but we, meaning I, have been dragging my butt getting them up. It literally or literally if you're Scotty, took me 15 minutes to get all 10 designs up there. I'm ashamed. Don't be ashamed. I, I blame myself. So there we go. Dap, what are you drinking? I am having some Cannonball Cabernet Sauvignon from 2016 from the lovely state of California. Nice. Nice little embossed label. Now, I told you before we sat down to record this here thing that I just returned from my niece's, actually my godchild, 
isn't that funny that I have a godchild? Like, should anything ever happen to her, her parents? I'm responsible for raising her in the Christian faith. <laughs> oh Lord, well that's like giving a baby to right. They right. You'll raise her. But. It's like giving a baby to uh, Anton Zandor Levey. Please raise this child Catholic. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, but anyway, I had some beer, three three some beers beer. at the party, which was no longer than a half an hour ago, maybe a little. Were they more. were they not good beers? That we don't want to name them. No, I had some uh, hop wallop. I think it's by Victory. And uh, no, I like it a lot. It's just that I had three of them, and I don't want to push my luck because you know we do have to work. Some of us have to work tomorrow, meaning me. And uh, yeah. I, I don't want to be walking around with a head full of cotton. That's smart. Yeah. yeah I think once I finish this glass, I might be it. But I am drinking Clear American Black Cherry uh, Sparkling Water Beverage with other natural flavors. Mm-hmm. We just won't say what those flavors are. Yeah, we don't know what they are, really. Some kind of chemicals. So, so seen any good movies lately? Uh, actually, yes. Nice. Yesterday, I well, I think it was Wednesday, I got the um, two Criterion editions. One I've been dragging my ass on because I have it in a number of formats, but it is a Criterion edition, right? So the, the chances of a format coming out that will improve upon the Criterion format are very, very, very slim. So I got the Criterion uh, Blu-ray of Eraserhead, which I watched last night. Oh, nice. And I received the Criterion edition of Blue Velvet, which I will probably watch Thanksgiving night. Because what says Thanksgiving more than Blue Velvet, <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm telling you. Uh, but Dap and I – well, Dap was referring to a movie that we both – we didn't find well, any magic. One of ma- us made it through. But, yeah, yeah, one of we didn't find any magic in it. Um, Jason loves it. So and I don't know if we. I mean, it's uh, yes, yes. He considers it a triumph, and it's one of those things where I mean, I don't want to sound because he's not here, and I don't want to make it sound as if we're, right. And I don't think we're, he we're really wants on. to talk about it anymore anyway, because right. we didn't really like it, and it, I yeah. think it kind of bummed him out a little bit. Yeah, but. Um, we're talking about Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The ninth film. Yeah. yeah. Dab bottomed out halfway through. I made yeah. it I made it entirely through. And um I understand what's behind the film, right? I, I get it. It's his love letter to, to cinema and it's it's a fairy tale, so the once upon a time uh thing it works very well hence the need to change history as he does at the end of the movie if you haven't seen it then well, did that i won't be specific Bastards also yeah i mean he changed um the disastrous events um but i just i didn't other than i mean the 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 performances are wonderful i think um brad pitt and uh um leo Leonardo DiCaprio are wonderful, and I think they're very good. I think um, Harley's great in it too. Uh, what what little of her is in the movie, and that's one of the things that I found very puzzling with it that they just inserted the Sharon Tate story to link the the bros to a, a common a, a event that would end the movie. I I don't see the point in it, other than 
Tarantino wanted to do it. It's I thought it was overly long, and it just it just didn't do anything for me. It really didn't. I mean, I've it's I think I I when I first saw it, and I, I I saw it shortly after it came out. But when I first saw Reservoir Dogs, I was blown away. Love the movie. I was younger, so it was you know the 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 violence, the the gory mm. nature of it. Uh, my least the crudeness favorite. of it i know and yeah. that's and but i mean it was it was just one of those things where it just struck a chord and and i enjoy pulp fiction until yeah, doesn't until he shows up um because i'm 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 a firm believer that quentin puts black actors in his movie so he can get away with certain things and I, it's just my opinion but i i'm i did I like Jackie Brown? I love Jackie Brown. Yeah, but I, I I also like it because I realize it's it's based on a story that that Quentin Tarantino didn't didn't write. It's not an original story by Quentin like like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs is. And um, you know I dig the Kill Bills, and I wasn't I I, I enjoy Django Unchained. Um, there are parts of Hateful Eight I like, but. I didn't care for Inglorious Bastards, and that's a part of that is because of of the subject matter and and um, I think Death Proof stinks. Death Proof is is by yeah, far I, my, my least favorite. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know uh, sanitize it. Death Proof really stinks. It is. Yeah. It's bad. Uh, it, it's boring. It's slow. It, it it doesn't really pick up until the last Rodriguez eight minutes. Mop the floor with him. Right, um, Planet oh, Terror is like oh yes, wow, agreed one hundred percent. And then, um, but this, but I, I, I've given every single like I can't. I haven't seen every Michael Bay movie. I, there are a lot of our, our why directors. would you that, right? But I, I mean, like I, you know, so there's some. It's if someone were to say to me, you don't like Quentin Tarantino, so you know, I wouldn't expect you to have a high opinion of the movie. But I've given all of his films a chance. Sure, I've, I've sure. seen them all. So I kind of like, but I also. You know, there are people who are near and dear to me who adore his work. So I'm like, all right, so maybe this is going to be the one that 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 makes me see what everybody else sees. No, but and, that's one of the reasons why I was so disappointed in the movie is because I enjoy his movies. I think he's a a great writer. I think he's a wonderful director. I usually find something other than Death Proof in his work that makes me um, say, wow, this guy's very good. I'm I'm enthralled. I'm captivated. I think this is a a great movie. Like I love Pulp Fiction. I won't go down the list. I I, I yeah. love more of his movies that I just enjoy. I I enjoyed Reservoir Dogs, but I, I really there's something about the movie. It's just, I love exploitation. Reservoir Dog, Dogs is a very calculated move by a young director to gain attention. I think I agree with that. That's fine. I, I, yeah, That's I great. Just... I mean, do what you got to do. But um, I just thought. Once Upon a Time was mediocre and long and just... And Jason said, oh, he's displaying great restraint with this movie. I don't think it's restrained at all. I think it's one long masturbatory, this is everything I like. I, I, I thought the, the Bruce Lee sequences were silly. Yes. Uh, just I just didn't... I, I don't understand the purpose for it other than Quentin creating a well-crafted... And it is, let's be honest. It's a well-crafted movie. Um, you, you, it, it's in a very specific time and place. And I think he pulled off 
very successfully the magic trick that makes you believe you're in this very specific time and place. So that's a notch in his on his bedpost, I guess. I just thought it was I, I didn't really find I didn't see a purpose in it. I mean, I, you know, to say that Leonardo DiCaprio is a great actor. Well, I kind of already knew that going yeah, in. Yeah. You know? And I'll I will it's my wife has no interest in in finishing it, I'm sure. I'll I'll finish it or I'll I'll start it again and 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 get through it just sometime maybe during the the holiday break, but right now. Right. It's not a bad um, movie, it's just not a great movie. Right. Hmm. So, let's do what we but What is here. great? What is great? Wow. You want me to go first? Please do. Oh, speaking of great, um you know that I have been very much enjoying the Transformers uh, revival at IDW. Yes. Extremely so. I think the ongoing is is borderline great. But that's not saying much because IDW has been doing great things with the Transformers for years. So when they decided to stop shipping the main title biweekly, and spin off the main title into a second title, uh, I gave a little bit of a side-eye first. Like, okay, here we go. Because IDW has a tendency to multiply things that are successful for them, let's just say. So if you, if Ghostbusters is doing well, you could be uh, assured of seeing not one, but maybe three ghostbusters titles and and so on and so forth like star trek i mean they are in the business to make money and it, and it it stands to reason that it's a smart business move if something catches on like turtles that you're not going to just have one you'll have turtles universe and you'll have um they'll reprint the image series and you'll have classic turtles and then classic turtles colorized like it's you can't fault them for trying to make some money right it that's why they're in business so when they decided to make a spin-off title of Transformers, I was a little leery. But holy crap, I read Transformers Galaxies, issues one and two, written by Tyler Blazinski and illustrated by Livio Ramondelli. And the, uh, the storyline in the first two issues is called Constructicons Rising. And that's why I was like, Jason, are you on this Transformers Galaxy? Because Jason loves Devastator. The, That's true, he does, the yeah. Gestalt, right? He loves Devastator. A lot of people love Devastator. So what this is, this Constructicons Rising is, it's an origin, among other things, of Devastator. Now, if you are familiar with the Transformers, you know that Devastator consists of six Constructicons, Bone Crusher, Scavenger, Scrapper, Hook, Long Haul, and Mixmaster, right? So before I get into the story, there's a, a section early in the first issue where all of the Constructicons are speaking in succession. There's six panels, thin vertical panels, bang, 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 bang. Six panels right in a row where each Constructicon comments, and the comment offers insight into their characters, right? But it's Long Haul's comment that not only sums up his character, but it's a, a white-hot chunk of meta that said to me, spoke to me, that Blazinski 
knows his OG Transformers. So the Constructicons are speaking. We get to Long Haul, and Long Haul says, I do all the work around here. None of these guys can do anything without me. So if you've ever assembled a G1 Devastator, you know that Long Haul is the core of the Devastator Gestalt. Without Long Haul, the upper body of Scavenger, Hook, and Bone Crusher has nothing to connect to. And Scrapper and Mixmaster are just a pair of legs without a body. So you can't build Long Haul. You can't build Devastator without Long Haul. And I'm reading this, I'm thinking, this is freaking brilliant. This is this comment like pierces through that veil of creation into the real world, like our world. It's brilliant stuff. One line of dialogue that guarantees that I'll be sticking around for the entire series. Like that is freaking smart. You guys would be nothing without me. Well, duh, because we can't build Devastator because you're not there. So it's a great little line. And maybe I'm easy to please, but I thought it was fantastic. And I'm like, okay, you got me. So here's the setup. Transformers Galaxies complements the continuity established in the ongoing. Okay? Specifically, the War of the Threefold Spark. Long story short. The end of the war... Now remember, the, the ongoing Transformers is actually a prequel to their previous Transformers series that ended in the whole Unicron event and Transformers live, Transformers die, and it was effectively the end of that giant, giant arc that IDW established. So they said, okay, what do we do now? Well, let's go back. To the early days, not so early days, but let's go back before Optimus was Optimus Prime and he's Orion Pax, okay? And it's it's like we get to see all our favorite Transformers become the characters that we love from the continuity that preceded this, okay? So you have the War of the Threefold Spark. Cybertron is a mess, Iacon, which is the capital, is destroyed. You got Wheeljack, who's worried that there's no way they can ever rebuild this. This is going to take forever. Oh, my God. Iacon's destroyed. What are we going to do? So Termagax sees the glass half full and claims that not only are they going to rebuild by Primus, we're going to improve on what was. We're going to make this better. So Wheeljack's like, okay, I don't know how we're going to do it because we don't have the manpower to do this. Yeah, show me how we're going to do this. Enter the Constructicons, right? Wheeljack tells them, okay, you guys got a lot of work to do. Why don't you go over there and, and dig for resources in Rivet's Field? It's going to have all the raw materials necessary so you can make Termagax's overly optimistic vision of Cybertron a reality. So Bone Crusher makes with the big bada boom and uncovers da, 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 the enigma of combination. That's the artifact that will cause a whole mess of problems in the future, but we won't think about that now. Something that allows multiple Transformers to join as one consciousness. So the six Constructicons combine, they, they get the the enigma and they're like oh, oh, oh and they got the hands on it and boom they they combine into devastator but it doesn't go very well at first 
And Devastator's freaking out. Ah, because you have like six isolated consciousnesses, you know, button heads, so to speak, metaphorically. And Wheeljack and, and Termagax are like, they're talking them through. And they're like, unite as one. You got to think with one unified mind. And success. Devastator completes 10 cycles of work in a single punch. Like, boom. All right. The field is, is ready. Let's build something here. So the story flips between the past, which is not long after con the Constructicons were forged, and the present in IDW Transformers continuity. The Constructicons are based on an Energon processing planetoid called Mayalks. Right? They're shunted away to this remote planetoid. They can't return to Cybertron until they've finished constructing the processing units um, to send the Energon back, back home, and they're getting antsy. Right? Plus, their Energon rations are lower than they have been in the past, which irks them that they can't operate at peak efficiency to get the job done, get the hell home. And there's a really neat sequence um, in the first issue. They're They're sitting... Uh, on a rocky little ledge and they're looking at uh, Cybertron in space and they're like, yeah, we can still see it. It's, it's fucking painful. <laughs> we, can, we can see Cybertron and we can't get home till we're done here, but we can't finish the job because we don't have enough energy on and, and it's like, it's brutal. So um, by issue two, this is where it starts getting really bad. By issue two, the job is long done. They finished building everything they needed to build and there's, they still haven't returned home. As, uh, Cybertron's given them like the the runaround, like yeah, okay, we know you, you know you're done. Yeah, we'll we'll be there soon. All right, you guys just wait, just wait there, and we'll, we'll be there in a little while. Okay, so they they feel discarded and alienated and oppressed and betrayed, and so they've completed the essential work for the benefit of Cybertron. They they have created things that will harvest energon, something the Transformers need. And their home planet is like like nothing. No fanfare, no accolades. Even worse, their energon rations are dwindling to the point where they got to seek sustenance from alternative means, which translates to they're extracting energon from recycled materials. And they're becoming addicted to the process. It's it's very, very strange. They have this home-brewed Energon extractor that inserts into their arms, much like a junkie would insert a needle. I heard, I almost heard Lou Reed while I was reading this this section, <laughs> and and they're 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 getting addicted to it because it's it the raw material contains maybe the after um, the dead bodies, essentially. Right. So um, on top of it all, Scrapper feels that there's an ill will, ill wind blowing. It's like something's coming down the pipe. Not, it's not going to be good. So he decides to force the other Constructicons into unsanctioned combat training, which is illegal on Cybertron. You guys want to train for combat, it's got to be approved, you know, because there hasn't been a war. And remember, this is before the, the war for, the, no, this is after. That's why it needs to be approved. So um, 
you guys got to train for this thing that's coming. I know you're not fighters. You're, you're, you're constructicons. You don't, you don't fight. You build and you harvest and you dig and you blow up. So you guys got to, got to prepare and they don't want to do it. So, uh, basically it amounts to bone crusher beating the scrap out of them and they're hesitant. They don't want to fight. Right. And someone has been watching them from the shadows. Who's that someone? Well, this someone is working at the behest of someone I won't reveal because you got to save something for people to read this, right? Um, but it's Bombshell and the Insecticons. Kickback, Scrapnel. Bombshell arrives to exploit the Constructicons' frustration and desperation. Now remember, Devastator is an extremely powerful gestalt, like very powerful. If Devastator's on your side in any kind of battle chances are really good that you're going to come out on top if you got devastator right so bombshell tells a story that resonates with the frustrated constructicons it turns out the insecticons are scavengers they're bugs right um and the stuff they eat they metabolize into energon so the the, the insecticons are very important much like the constructicons because they provide the raw material that keeps Cybertron running. Yep. Um, but the Insecticons found out that the discarded bodies of dead Cybertronians are a delicacy. So they're cannibals as well as scavengers. Um, and But because they performed a function so crucial to Cybertronian life, they were experimented upon. Like, we got to find out why these guys can make Energon. Um, but, uh, they were poked and prodded and nothing came out of it. No results, right? So they're, they're let loose to clean up after the war and they produce stacks and stacks and stacks of Energon cubes. And yet they were feared because they're eating like dead bodies and shit. And so the, the populace is like, ew, uh, you know, okay, they cleaned up. Let's get these guys the hell out of here. But they, they couldn't jail them they couldn't throw them in jail because they would just eat the jail so mm. what they did was they shipped them off planet to to mayalks and they were discarded like the constructicon swept under the carpet after all they've done for their home world they throw them on this remote planetoid to starve and so bombshell's story strikes a chord with the constructicons but who is manipulating the Constructicons and to what end? Now, I'm not going to be the one to spill those beans because you got to read this thing because it's phenomenal. It is so good. Like, this is the kind of, of sci-fi, even though it's a licensed property, this is the kind of sci-fi I love. It's deep. This world is, is so well fleshed out in two issues. Like, yeah, I know a lot of this stuff from previous series, but, which is easier it greased the wheel to get me into it. But the, you have these two discarded, oppressed groups. One's being manipulated by Cybertron. The other one's being manipulated by somebody else to get Devastator where... Devastators haven't... The Constructicons haven't formed Devasta Devastator in a while. They haven't had the ability... They they Something's off and they haven't joined. And this person that wants Devastator knows this and is trying to stoke the fire of their frustrations into uh you know a full full-blown um 
conflagration. There's one scene where one of the Constructicons is on a bridge, and he's like, God damn it, and he gets all pissed off, and he throws a giant pipe off the, 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 the bridge, and he hits a Transformer walking, just casually walking underneath. And later on in the issue, or it may even be the next issue, the Insecticons are like, they're eating a dead body. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we found this this wounded transformer. So it was the one that the constructor got hit with the pipe. Like they just, they, they, they glom onto something and they'll just eat it and they enjoy it and they're icky, but I love the insecticons. But so if you're a fan of not only really, really, really good sci-fi, but transformers, I think there's another, there was one before this, but I think there's another mini golden age forming at IDW with the transformers. Cause these books are just, Balls nasty, as Frank Miller would say. <laughs> They're so damn good. The art is a little, it's a little digital for me. It's a little, mm-hmm. uh, just teetering on that edge of, of it, it's, it's good digital now, but I could see where the, the, uh, the approach could be perverted into something for something less for expedience sake sake of expediency um i think it it looks good to my eyes but um yes i do prefer the work of like say alex milney and others but i think livio ramondelli is creating a very dark um storyline because look what's going on it's it's dark as hell just the the theme and the mood of the of this story is very very dark so i think he's in the zone for now but i'd like to see him brighten up later on maybe you know we'll get a after this arc is over, um, maybe we'll get something else where he can show a different aspect of his, a different approach to his, uh, his craft, I hope. But I think it's great. Um, Transformers Galaxies, uh, written by Tyler Blazinski, illustrated by Livio Ramondelli. Go get it. Especially if you're a Transformer fan. If you're not getting these, these singles, man, you're missing out because they are wonderful stuff. I'm huh. so excited. I'm glad. No, they're good. That makes That's me why happy. I said to Jason, are you reading this? It's devastating. No, man. I'm not. Okay. All right. You're not reading it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I decided to, um, I, 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 I took a gamble. There are times where I'm, I'm just, I'm, I said steadfast the other day, didn't I? But there are times where I'll, I just, I dig my heels in and I won't budge. And, um, no, that's part and parcel with me holding a grudge, but there are certain times where I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm setting my ways. I like what I like. And, and, you know, I already think I know, or I feel like I know what that's going to be like. So there's no point in bothering with it. But, um, I took a gamble and and I picked up a grab bag and in this grab bag there were a couple of issues of Red Hood and the Outlaws and this particular arc picks up after the events um, where Lex Luthor has um, done something to Bizarro. Now, even though it's called Red Hood and the Outlaws, it's basically it's a three-person team, and and that team is Red Hood, Bizarro, and Artemis. So, 
it's not so much so many other people in this group. It's just it's it's just Jason and two dude, two, two two other people. But um, so Lex has has changed Bizarro and has made him intelligent, and he has he is he's extremely intelligent. So much so that while Red Hood and Artemis are out um, doing what they do in the morning, Bizarro has built a hovering fortress above Gotham that looks over and and basically observes and prevents crime from happening. And, and he did that in the morning. And, and so he's, he's really just... He's very, very smart. Um, this, the, this story is written by Scott Liddell. And the art, for the most part, is by Dexter Soy, except for the first issue, uh, issue 14, is uh, illustrated by Joe Bennett and Sean Parsons. But um, So 14, 15, 16, and 17 is what I'm going to be talking about briefly. Um the nit I always tend to have with, um, with long running DC books is that you're just thrown in and that's cool. And, and, you know, and it's, and, you know, for a lot of us, we tend to, you know, we, we didn't always buy from the first issue. So, you know, if you buy Avengers 274 or X-Men 182, you know, you're just good luck. But with those particular titles, uh, thanks to Jim Shooter, you would be able to catch up and, and get a feel for who everybody is and what everybody does and, and what and and because Shooter believed that every comic is going to be someone's first. So it's better to give them as much information so that they can catch up and play along without wondering what's going on, getting frustrated and probably just leaving it off to the side. But DC still doesn't really subscribe to that theory. So, um, you know, we, we find out thanks to the conversations that Lex is the reason why Bizarro is so smart. Um, but, and, and, and you get little things like it, it was almost Claremontian in the way that, that Jason Todd constantly lets the reader know that he's only playing an outlaw. He's actually a good guy. And, um, you know, Batman is aware of his methods and, and, and is fine with his little, his little game he's playing. But, um, he's, he puts on a front to be a crime boss and, and, and give that appearance. But he's actually, um, he's a good guy. So, uh, we get caught up on that. And, but as far as this particular story, you don't really have to worry about all the baggage. There are a couple things there, here and there, like um, one of the characters, uh, her name is Faye Gunn. I, I guess she um, she would she was she was she was like a caretaker. She was a guardian for um, uh, she had a home for the criminally infirmed, and she tells Bizarro. Uh, that she would often um, 
hide the letters that parents had sent to her wayward charges. Um, it made it easier for them. It made it easier to, uh, to control them. So, um, you know, she came across some letters that Jason's father had sent to Jason that she never gave to him. But I mean, so, so aside from her showing up for a page or two, I don't know where she came from. Don't know anything about her before that. Don't know anything about her after it. She's just kind of here. Um, but luckily the story is not about her. So in, in the, we get, we get Jason and Artemis coming to terms with Bizarro's new found intellect and, and how it's benefiting the team. Um, but because of how they do things, they are, um, they catch the eye of Batman's team, the, the team that, that was, um, that was formed in, in detective comics. And so, so it's Batwoman and orphan and Clayface and, and Batwing, um, and Azrael and, and they, they're not keen on what Jason is doing. Um, and Jason is still, still has that, um, entitled immature mentality because he could have just as easily told them what he's doing and be upfront with them. But instead, you know, it's like, well, they started it because, you know, they attacked, they, they came and they kidnapped Bizarro cause they don't trust him and, and they don't trust us. And, you know, he could have just made it all put it out there and, and there wouldn't have been a big old battle, but that's just that that's not him. So that's Jason. Um, they end their little fight um and the it ends because batman's team gets the upper hand and then ships the three of them to um bell rev so now they're under um amanda waller's eye and um because they're not because they're not convicted uh, criminals, they don't get the little brain bomb implanted. But um, Bizarro finds out that there are the Earth is shifting underneath Belrev, and and it's going to lead to, um, for lack of a better term, bad things are going to happen. And and we get an earthquake. Things are going to explode. People are going to die. Um, so the outlaws and Suicide Squad are going to team up to make sure that this threat is um, is dealt with. And 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 they do. And and it's pretty interesting team up. It all it, it's it's weird as as I'm as I'm thinking back on the four shoes. I don't really know if it needed. Because there are a lot of double page spreads, there are a lot of big panels, and and it's not it's not a very tightly written story. Um, there are some really cool ideas, but they kind of don't come together. So part of it is 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 me realizing, yeah, it, it it seems to just be typical Abdel, and 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 so I really wasn't missing anything. I mean, I'm 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 glad I read it because it, it this is a neat wrinkle for Bizarro, but I mean, it 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 also feels like you know, what, what Peter David has done with the Hulk. And, sure. Um, yeah. So I was thinking yeah. when you said it. 
Right. And and even with his little spectacles on it, he's wearing it's like it just it feels very much like that. But it's 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 nice to see you know Bizarro do something than just you know me am happy and and because um, when you get smart, you you automatically need glasses. You do because how else yeah, are people going to know you you're read smart? A lot, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, you could use big words, but that's not that's right. they have to wait for you to speak to find out if you're smart. If you're wearing glasses, it, it they know just, it tells right away. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the uh, and and Artemis has a big old axe that's named Mistress, and and every time she's um, stuck somewhere, she basically yells out Mistress to me, and 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 the axe just kind of just shows up and and gets her out of whatever bind she's in, and um, that's pretty handy. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just it's still, and and I actually and and honestly, and I'm going to read them because um, I want to see if the issues I have um, make it to the end of uh, Bizarro's time with his intellect. Um, But, you know, it's still, I'm still not a Jason Todd fan and this didn't change my mind. I didn't expect it to, but I just figured I'll, you know, people do tend to tell us, you know, give this a shot or, Hey, if you know, if, if, if you haven't read that in a while, then maybe come back for this. And, and so, I, I'd like to at least give things a chance, and um, yeah, I mean, I have I have some questions, and I'm sure there'll be, uh, I'm sure people can answer them, but it, it's still, um, I thought the uh, the Sawyer work wasn't um, wasn't bad at all. It, it it moved the action along, but again, like I said, there's a lot of um, there are a lot of big panels not um, showing a whole lot, so things are just things tend to be very padded out um but it's uh it definitely feels like a a red hood but i mean he when 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 jason todd came back thanks to superboy prime punching shit it's um he's still the the, the voice is still there it's not like lobdell is trying to um change him or or make him um Tim Drake 2.0. It's still, and there's actually a nice little reference where, um, because Bizarro builds these doorways that will take you just walk through them and you're anywhere. I mean, they show up in, uh, the back cave and, um, Jason's like, you know, the security in this place is insane. Like Batman can't even get back in if he loses his key. And then he shows up at the fortress of solitude and you're like, well, this is weird. Um, but Jason does say, you know, yeah, I was here once. And the editor's note says uh, Superman annual number 11. I was like, that's right. He was the Robin in for the man who has everything. But, um, yeah, it's, it's you know, I mean, it's I haven't seen or thought about Artemis since that William Esther Loeb's Michael Diodato Wonder Woman run. So, yeah, a long time. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, she's here. But, yeah, I mean, it's just it, – so it just seems to be, you know, it's a Superman clone, um, a dead Robin, and a disgraced Wonder Woman well, Amazon it, as a it, team. It's a dark trinity. It is. It really is. Yeah. Yeah, that it didn't even – I, I – that – didn't even click and i don't know like i said i don't know how many issues it was this is i started with 14 so i don't know how long that this has just been the team um 
and how long this particular team lasts um, after it. But uh, I don't think they're still publishing the book, are they? Red Hood and the Outlaws? This, this issue 14 has a date of um, November 2017. So I don't – no, I don't I, – I just did my order today, and I don't believe a Red Hood book was uh, was solicited. Yeah. I mean, it, it ran its course. It wasn't a short run. I think it made it into the 30s. But don't quote me. I'm sure it did. Yeah. I have a sad story, if you're done. Oh? Yeah. Yes. No, I'm done. Go for it. <sighs> the The U.S. Postal Service lost a package. <gasps> yeah. So one night, I was tooling around on my comic shop. And you know how they have the want list? Yes. Uh, I just... I. I Got an email. It's like, check your want list. So I didn't even look at what the the target of the alert was. I just went on to my comic shop and brought up my, my want list. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm glad I came. So I didn't want to just order this one book. So I ordered, um, for the life of me, I cannot find the first issue of Chin and Parsanovich's Adolescent Radioactive Black Belt Hamsters. Oh. I looked everywhere. I looked in the my uh, CLC software. It's not even listed in there. I can't find it anywhere. And I know I have it. I mean, we've read that thing to death, right? So I said, okay, it's a couple bucks. I'll add it to my order. And then there was an, an issue of Gold Digger, like mid-run. I think it was like issue 76. That I was like, okay, I'll add that to my order because I got the one thing I came here for. This is just gravy. Postage, boom, send it, okay. So um, the other day I got a package in the mail and I'm thinking, hey, I ordered that my comic shop thing a while ago. And even with media mail postage, which I don't know how they're getting away with. But anyway, even, <laughs> with, even with media mail postage, it would have been here by now. So I went on my comic shop and they conveniently list a tracking number on there. So I was David A. Price for a little while. Uh-huh. I clicked on the tracking number. And it said that it arrived in the Lehigh Valley, November 4th. Lehigh Valley is like an hour away from me. So I'm like, what? November 4th? We're in the 20s. I don't think it takes that long to get from Lehigh Valley to my house. So I have lost a package. Well, I didn't lose it. The U.S. Postal Service lost it or, or mangled it or did something with it. There's a worker... In, in a big comfy chair somewhere down in the Lehigh Valley reading my friggin' comics. But the uh, the identity of that book that drew me to the site? Mm-hmm. Comics book number five. The oh! One, the one I needed to finish the run. And I've been waiting to find it oh, in, in very fine or better condition. And it was... It was cheap. I mean, the whole order didn't cost me 16 bucks after postage. So uh, I, I couldn't wait to, to get it. And now I still have not completed my run of comic book, comics book, thank to the U.S. Postal Service. What am I going to do? File a claim on a $16 package? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm going to, and comic shop, my comic shop's not going to honor it because they didn't lose it. It was the, if they look at the tracking, they're like, we sent it and it got here, 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 and here. It's this, this last place that they fucked up and you're not getting it. So um, chances are very good. They're, they, I wouldn't even ask them to make good on it because it wasn't their fault. It's the Postal Service's fault. 
and I'm not going to file a claim on a lousy $16 package because it wasn't insured anyway. So there you go, doom and gloom. <sighs> I'll get it. I'll find it at a convention somewhere. Yeah, I can't think though if uh, it just annoys me. Like, yeah, I mean, it, I would it's, probably just just to, just just for some not even closure, but just like to because um, I don't want it to eat it up. I would probably I'd probably send the note to my comic shop and just say, you know, this is what happened. Maybe they would follow up. With, I don't know. I doubt it, but mm. you know, you don't you don't know if you throw it out there, just we'll see what there. happens. But yeah. <sighs> That's that's what happens, and and I'm thinking to myself, well, it's not a small parcel, it's at least eight and a half by eleven, right? The, the chances of it being mangled or or broken are are slim because it doesn't even have a lot of width to it. It's base. It was probably basically a flat eight and a half by eleven. How do you screw up something like that? But they did. So either somebody's reading my stuff or got ran over or a truck blew up like who knows you know it could be a, a million and one different things end of the story i i still have not com- don't have the closure on my comics book run but anyway i have read something else what yes speaking of the comfort zone and oddly enough dc i too have read something that um it just makes me happy i know a lot of people scoff at this stuff but i really don't care the laundry list of creators on this book is sick. Um, I'm going to tell you them. So buckle in, because there's a lot of them. Written by Tony Bedard and, in smaller type, Jeff Johns. With Aaron Cooter, Andre Bresson, Emilcar Pina, Andre Guinaldo, Raul Fernandez, Henry Preseo, uh, Jim Calafiori, Javier Polito, Greg Adams, Doug Mankey, Patrick Gleason, Colley Hamner, Jerry Ordway, Ethan Renskyver, Ivan Heiss, Eau Claire Albert, Joe Prado, Christian Alamy, Keith Champagne, Mark Deering, Mark Irwin, Wade Von Grabadger, and Tom Wen are the artists. The colorists are Will Quintana, Ney Rufino, Pete Pantazis, Alex Sinclair, Tony Avina, and it is New Guardians, Volume 3, Love and Death, featuring your favorite character, Kyle Rayner. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is good stuff, though, because the the space poop hits the, the giant cosmic oscillator. Um... The guard, I, I don't know why, but the Guardians, well, I do know why, because he was probably the last holdout. The Guardians have messed with um, the mind of Ganthet because they, they have decided that the whole universe is totally messed up and we're just going to abolish free will. And how do they do that? Well, they, got, they, they made this third army thing these creatures that are scouring the universe. And if they touch you, they're extremely contagious. If they touch you, the junk on their, their bodies or whatever it is, makes you one of them. And you are in effect a a soldier in the third army. 
and the soldier that they made touches someone else that's untainted, and they become a soldier in the Third Army, right? Hal is working with Sinestro, who is a Green Lantern when this thing opens, um, to take down Black Hand, right? So Kyle goes to Carol Ferris, and he's like, hey, where's Hal? Where Hal is? Um, so she's like, I don't know. I was hoping you knew where Hal is because I haven't seen him in a while. I'm getting a little bit worried. So they go over to his locker and when they open it, Hal's power battery is in the locker. And a ring of an entirely different kind, Carol finds a diamond engagement ring mm. in the locker. And she automatically assumes it's for her. Oh, oh Hal, right? <laughs> so Kyle asks his ring. He's like, yo, ring, where's Hal? Where? And the ring tells him that Hal Jordan, uh, Green Lantern of Sector 2814, is deceased. He dead. And Kyle's like, what? And Carol's like, what? So it's a, it's a, 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 a race to find Hal. And they assume that the Guardians, because they're evil blue tiny people now have taken Hal or they've killed Hal and um, there's this whole third army thing going around and the guardians have created this alliance with the Zamorans the, the with whom Star Sapphire is in cahoots right so Kyle has developed a proficiency with colors of the spectrum other than green he can sling blue like nobody's business, but he has a problem with the other colors. So in order to find Hal, Kyle has to, he's going to confront the Guardians, and he needs all the colors of the spectrum to do it. So to wield these colors, he's got to be trained in emotional areas other than the ones to which his he's already accustomed, right? So mm -hmm. Kyle's not proficient in rage and fear and avarice right so what do you think they do well they go to uh atrocitus and they're like the my, my little man here needs to be trained in the ways of rage and so atrocitus beats the crap out of him and still kyle does not learn the ways of rage and he drags him to the gravestone of um his girlfriend alex whom Kyle laments the passing of. You remember, Alex, the girl in the refrigerator? Uh-huh. So Atrocitus tries to, to use her passing to make Kyle feel rage, and it doesn't work. And he's like, all right. So he shows Kyle an injustice. There's, you know, um, it's uh, it's a Middle Eastern country, and there's terrorists, and they shot the father, and Kyle gets, he gets all rage, and he starts spitting blood. So that makes Kyle, I guess, proficient in the ways of the, the red spectrum. And like dominoes, it, it falls. Um, Kyle needs to, to know great fear, so they get Arkillo to train him in the ways of fear, and Arkillo tags along with them. Um, and then Kyle needs to embrace the uh, orange avarice. So who do you think they get to show him around the, the orange pool? Larflees. Larflees. <laughs> and I was like, yes, mine. So Larflees um, 
does his job, and uh, it all leads to the arrival of the First Lantern. And the First Lantern basically plays the role of the uh, the ghosts in the Christmas Carol. They he he messes with a lot of the principal players and shows them possible permutations of their life should they decide to abandon this silly, silly um, need to to go after the Guardians. And uh, they show Kyle Rayner what his life would have been if Alex was still alive and what if Daddy never left and you're a mechanic and blah, blah, blah. And then he gets to Carol and it's like, okay, what if, you know, the ways your father committing suicide because he thought he was the downfall of, of, of Ferris, you know, heir. What if that never happened? And it just, it, it kind of, I think they tread water at that point in the story. I mean, this thing reproduces new guardians issue zero issue seven to 13, I think. No, uh, issues zero 13 to 20. So it's a, big book and green lantern 20 and i mean i love this new 52 stuff but i gotta take issue with dc i have a boatload of new 52 hardcovers specifically the lantern ones there's a lot of crossover between the stuff in the things that they reprint in their books i i'm not lying i have at least four hardcovers that reprint green lantern number 20 i'm not kidding and it's like um like, why? Why didn't you guys coordinate this better? Because silly people like me that got to have them all now have multiple instances of Green Lantern number 20. But whatever, I got it for cheap, so it doesn't really bother me. But anyway, so, and the first, and then it culminates in this giant battle at the end. I won't get into it because it's long and involved. Um, Sinestro switches from green to to yellow. Of course he's going to. And Parallax shows up and there's this giant throwdown in Green Lantern 20 and, and Hal comes back. But I love the um, – and it's the first instance of Kyle as the White Lantern because obviously he masters the entire emotional spectrum and becomes the White Lantern. So, yeah. No, I thought it was great. It was a lot of fun. Um, it's not heavy reading by any means. It's just good old um, DC space opera. And – it led me to thinking the reason why I think Green Lantern was so popular in the past, what, let's say decade, maybe a little more, right? Because mm-hmm. maybe a little more than that, right? When did um, Jeff John's stuff really kick in? Uh, like when, was... when the book was – when Green Lantern became a top ten book. Maybe 06. Okay. So let's just say 13 to 15 years yeah. of a popular Green Lantern. It's because there was no Legion book on the stands. Not to say that Legion would have ever been as popular as Green Lantern. I think Green Lantern is an easier sell with with comic readers, whereas Legion, you have a boatload of characters with as many different powers in the lantern books you have a boatload of characters but they're all pretty much like one segment the green has this uh one power and the yellow has a certain power right but 
it is a giant ensemble cast in both series. And it just struck me as odd that when the Lantern books were very, very popular, there was no Legion book. And now that Bendis is seems to be on a on a roll with this Legion stuff, there aren't too many Lantern books other than what Morrison's doing. Isn't that odd? Huh. Right? Why That's is, a cool observation. Why is that? Well, I think... Well, all right, okay, so apparently Green Lantern Rebirth has a cover date of 2004. Okay, so let's so, say 15 years. I was years. slightly off. Yeah, just say 15 years. Um, the... I, okay, on... Yes, when, when John's... John's did his thing, and then, of course... With with the Sinestro Corps and then Blackest Night and then uh, we get all the lanterns. Yeah, he then was he, steamrolling he, he, for a long he time. He leaves and then with New Fifty Two, right? He leaves after New Fifty Two, but so New Fifty Two and then you get all the spinoffs because you get you get Hal's book. Sinestro had a book yep. when New Fifty Two launched. Mm-hmm. Um, New Guardians. You had the New Guardians. You had the, you had a Green Lantern Corps book, right? Yep, I believe so. So, yeah, you had all of that. There was a Legion book when New 52 you had started, but yeah. New 52, you had a Red Lanterns book? Yep. Yeah. I mean, there was Lantern stuff all over the place. And the thing about it was, um, I think that one of the important things about it was, like Batman, they did not contradict the continuity that was already established. They say, okay, Batman and Green right. Lantern are selling Those really well. Better than, yeah. We won't mess with them. And. But it just it struck me as really strange that <clears throat> this giant ensemble cast that once did really well is nowhere now. And you got Bendis with this giant ensemble cast that seems to be doing well, right? I mean, he's cracking the top 20 with this book. And there's oh, no... only had the one issue so far. Well, the, the lead up to it, right? Yeah, the, which, I mean, I, I, the, the and lead in, up in... And in Superman, so it was established yeah. there. But... I don't know. It's just, can the market, can the DC universe only sustain one giant ensemble cast of heroes? I don't know. It it bears watching. Because the only book that I can see on the stands now that has anything to do with the Lantern Corps is, is Morrison stuff. And even that is... Um, that's done. So, that's done because you got the Black Stars yeah. and, and Far Sector. But that doesn't, I don't know if you can say that that... It's a Green Lantern book, but it's not like it's. Right. It's in the 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 rural areas of the DC universe, not right. the the metropolis. But no, I I thought this book was a lot of fun. You know, I've been trying to amass an entire run of the my favorite New Fifty Two series in hardcover. So I have a complete run of action Superman. I'm working on the Lantern stuff. It, it, oddly enough. The the hardcovers for the new fifty two are a little bit tough to get. I don't want to pay cover price for them. Why should sure. I? Why should I? Right. So I've been getting them at Books a Million for like five bucks a hardcover. That's a good price to pay pay for me. But I'm not going to go on Amazon and get the ones I need for like nineteen bucks. That no. that would be counterproductive and just plain silly. So whenever I see them remaindered, I pick them up. Uh, but the MVP. By far, and you got a lot of big names in this book, Doug Monkey. Um, uh, who did I say? Um, Jerry Ordway. Let's see, 
you got Cully Hamner and Patrick Gleason. Like, we're talking big, big, big names. The most valuable player is still Aaron Cooter. Nice. Yeah, he just he is just smoking hot on these books. And I, like I said, I had to apologize to the guy because you know me. I get my tunnel vision where I don't want to bother with that shit. And and that was just me just now talking about Low Bill and Red Hood. Yeah, hence the reason why you guys like to chide me. Oh, you'll read it in five years. More often than not, that's pretty true. Right. Where I I do come out of my rabbit hole and I'll, I'll check out books that I dismissed earlier. But so I'm 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 getting back to this new Fifty Two stuff and. I apologize to Cooter because I said, you know, I, I should have been champion, championing your work because it's phenomenal. The action stuff is just gorgeous. This this lantern stuff is just great. I mean, he's his pages they 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 leap out at you because they do not look like standard mainstream DC DC work. They look like a guy from the trenches. That you know, not underground, but. The guy that's been doing it on his own for a long time, he's established a look and a feel, and it's like he came somehow came to the notice of the guys in the mainstream, and they're like, okay, let's try this kid. And he's killing it. And so, you know, he's definitely not a Jerry Ordway. He's not a Doug Monkey. He's, he's, he's got this very, very unique, homegrown, borderline indie style that I think is just great. And I'll, like with Ghost Rider, I'm just going to scoop up anything Aaron Cooter does. And I'm sorry for being a dick that I didn't buy your book when it was coming out because maybe it would still be coming out. I don't know. Yeah, my my one copy is going to push it over the edge. Oh, we got it. We hit our number. Keep publishing it. <laughs> so, yes, New Guardians, Volume 3, Love and Death. If anybody has a line on, on cheap New 52 hardcovers, let me know because I still have some voids in my collection. Oh, guess what I saw at FYE? No, I'm not going to tell you because maybe there's a holiday coming up soon. Never mind. Forget I said that. <laughs> oh, you silly man. You almost let the cat out the bag. Uh, yeah. Maybe there's a holiday coming. So there we go. Hey, a little special stealth episode for you. Short, not well, not so short. It's going to be about an hour and a half before we're done. So relatively short, but oh so very sweet. Brought to you by who? The Butamus Patrons. The Butamus Patreons that... That uh, they support us, they interact with us, they are family at this point. Uh, yep, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. A lot of stuff going on in the special Slack channel where we, we, we chew the, the fat day in and day out. Well, nights too. The nights seem to be the real busy time because everybody's done at work. They jump on, they're like, this would happen today. You know, um, some people come on and they need. A little bit of a pickup, and we're there for them because they're buddies, they're family, they're friends. And uh, I just love it. I enjoy it so much. We have a number of sub, do they call it sub Slack boards? Or do they just call it channels? Channels. Yeah, channels. We have a number of channels. There's art, books, general, random, um, everything. Just come on and, and see what the hubbub is about. And while you're at it, you can check out our Threadless shop. Eleven There's a ton of new comic should be ridiculous shirts on there with more. I don't want to even say shirts because designs, because you could put it on anything. If there's an old lady sleeping in a in a recliner, they're going to put the design on her if she stays still long enough. They'll sell anything at Threadless, which is cool. 
right? Stickers, you see it on the little, they put on a little laptop. You can get 11 o'clock comics, our ridiculous uh, sticker. So just check it out. We, we would like you to do that. Um, in your travels, I shot my wad. So what I'm going to say is please join me in my reading of Chris Ware's Rusty Brown from Pantheon Graphic Library. I'm not promising I'll have it read for next episode, but we can take the journey with each other because it's a big honking book. So if you have it, haven't read it yet, I'm going to read it and talk about it soon. So read Chris Ware's Rusty Brown. Nice. Yeah. Um, I will have Skip finished soon. Oh, good. But I know I think we got to wait for Jason on that anyway. Um, so that will probably be after our book of the month, which, of course, is Heavy Liquid. Um, and I'm going to say in your travels. Um, the question, the deaths of Vic Sage by Jeff Lemire, Dennis Cohen, Bill Sienkiewicz, uh Chris Sotomayor on colors, Willie Schubert on letters. Um, I, I like the question. I like Cohen and Sienkiewicz on question. Um, I am not, um, you know, when I think of the question, I think of the way the character looks. Um, it's kind of set in in a certain time for me. And, and, and of course, Danny O'Neill writing the character. Um, but this, this brought me back. This, 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 this felt, this felt like home. Um, it's, it's trippy. The next issue is, looks to be even trippier. Um, but I, uh, I, I definitely, definitely recommend it. Um, you get an appearance by Richard Dragon. Uh, but yeah, I think um, there are some, there's some mysteries. There's a, uh, there's uh, the Vic Sage still does not pull any punches, and and he still um, does what he needs to do to let the citizens of of Hub City know what. Uh, what they need to know and be aware of. And it was, it was just, it was, it was nice to revisit this character. Um, feeling familiar, looking familiar, just, I, I, I seriously enjoyed it. It's, um, it is, it's a bi-monthly book. So you can really kind of soak in this first issue. It's a black label book. So it's nice and oversized. And, uh, and yeah, I, um, I, I am, so on board for these four issues I, I cannot wait so yeah in your travels the question the deaths of Vic Sage nice I'm gonna get to read that you should yeah I'm thinking I'll, I'll, I'll hold back until it's collected and get to hopefully a hardcover we'll see or it'll look real good next to um, your Superman year one black label book which I don't have <laughs> <laughs> stunned nor do i want no but anyway all right people hey thank you for being here with us we hope we made your your night or your day and come back soon as in thursday thanksgiving because we're going to record wednesday night 
Yes. And we'll be back with you again to uh, usher in the Thanksgiving festivities. So please be here with us because we love you so much. In other news, come to the Facebook, Reddit, Instagram, and Twitter pages. We're uh, always on there talking about what else, comics, and other stuff. And uh, the Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Just do it. Just say goodnight. David. Night. <laughs> uh, 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 David. Nice. We are out of here. Go have fun. Later, y'all. <laughs>